Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that will help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akhirah. And welcome to 24th episode with Coach Ola. Today's episode, we will talk about why men's health matter. Although I am a woman and a female trainer, this topic is important to me and to my brand at Be Fit for Akhira. And by the time this episode will be released, the week of June 10th until 16th is the National Men's Health Week. And I believe it's important to bring up this topic for all the men and women out there. And today we have Jonathan, who is a NASM certified personal trainer, a fitness nutrition specialist, and performance en- enhancement specialist as well. He is the founder and coach of the Recover You coaching program for men in recovery. And he has on podcast, the Sobriety Blueprint podcast. In today's episode, we're going to discuss on how did he create his program and why did it come together? We're also going to talk about the man's challenges, such as when it comes to emotional health, physical health. And we're also going to talk about alcoholism and how he became sober and why it's super important for us to discuss this, although it is hard even for me to bring it up. But I believe it's important for us to talk about it because as a Muslim, it is a topic that is still a taboo in our communities and across all communities of different faith and backgrounds. Let's welcome Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome. So excited to have this on. So for everyone who uh, doesn't know, I found about Jonathan's story through one of the Facebook groups that I'm in for online personal trainers. And when I saw his story about his program and how he tailored down to his his niche, niche and how he wants to help men overcome their alcohol addiction and drug addiction, I thought, oh my gosh, it's very interesting because I actually have a story to tell you guys that many of you might not know. I took mental health class at George Mason University and since I was interested in mental health and one of the exercises, the assignments that we had to do was to attend one of the Alcohol Anonymous meeting and it was very awkward for me to go as a woman in hijab. I, I went with my dad and listening to all the stories that people were sharing who were addicted, who were alcoholic, obviously who had addiction to it, who are struggling, but they really want to come out of it. To hear their stories was very interesting and also emotional because I was able to relate to them one way or other because of my own quote-unquote addiction to food and bulimia, the eating disorder I was struggling with in high school, body image, all of it can be related. So after the meeting, they thanked me for coming in and they gave me their book. So I actually still have their book right here in front of me, The Alcohol Anonymous. It's a huge book, you guys. It's yeah, it's called The Big Book, actually. The Big the, Book. The yes. Big Book, yeah. <laughs> and Jonathan will tell us all about it. Yeah. So, Jonathan, tell us about your story and sure. about your Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm 32 years old. I live here in Houston, Texas, and I actually just got my... So in AA, and, and I came through AA, I actually just got my six-year sobriety chip, okay? So I don't know if you saw, but they actually pass out chips at the end of the meeting or for different lengths of sobriety. And so, you know, let me just start out by saying that 
this disease does not discriminate. I, I think that you having me on the show is really great because it, it really doesn't matter what community you're in, what your religious background is. You know, unfortunately, addiction in general, no matter what it is, you know, what the substance is or what's going on, it is seen as taboo to, to different degrees in every community, you know, and and the problem is, is that when that happens, obviously, it makes the recovery process a, a lot harder, a lot more difficult. So let me just say that, you know, I was raised in a well above middle class family, awesome family life, okay, there was no drug addiction or alcoholism in my immediate family. There was none of that going on. And so I had a really great childhood, you know, and I think a lot of the times when people think about, you know, what goes on in AA or, or trying to kind of nail this thing down, you know, they probably think a lot about, well, what caused it? You know, what caused it? And the thing is, I really haven't spent too much time on that. I think at the end of the day that, you know, we look for just like you mentioned the food thing. A lot of the times we just look for an escape in something. And and the bottom line for me was, is that growing up, I was always the chubby kid, you know, and I was overweight for most of my life. And even though I had a lot of friends and I, I had a great family life and, and there was all there were all these good things going on in my life, I I really it felt like something was off, you know, it felt like I like I didn't belong somehow. And I really can't put my finger on it uh, to describe it more than that. It just felt like something was off. So, you know, years later, when I got into high school, my freshman year of high school is really where I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol. And I'll just tell you, it felt right. Like it felt like, man, this is the thing. That, that I'm supposed to be doing, you know, as weird as that might sound, I felt okay. It made me feel okay with myself. You know, it made me feel comfortable. It, uh, it put me in a position to where it gave me another reason to socialize with people. And so that's how it started out. Now, how it ended up is very different, you know, and, and that book you have right there, it says that, that we drink, yeah, absolutely. And so there's to, to be clear, you know, that's just one 12 step program. So Alcoholics Anonymous started. And then from that, that's one 12 step program. There is Overeaters Anonymous. There's Narcotics Anonymous. There's Cocaine Anonymous. There's Shopaholics Anonymous. There, there are 12 step programs for literally everything because it is this process that has been shown to help people deal with their addictions, whatever they are. Okay. And so the thing is, is it, I had issues with with drugs and alcohol, and that book tells us that we do those things essentially because we like it. Like that's the main reason, you know. And and that, that you know that there is that this disease is physical in nature, it's mental in nature, and is also spiritual in nature. And and I'll just tell you that people do not think about this, but you know I did not have much of a relationship with a higher power before I got into recovery. You know, I, I didn't. And so that is something, the spiritual aspect of my life is something that's, that's really important to me. And I, I mean, it is uh, essentially saved my life in, in a large degree. And what led me to that is the 12 steps. But so things started out with kind of experimenting with weed and alcohol a little bit and partying and stuff like that. And where I ended up was in a place where I was taking over 60 painkillers a day. And I ended up with a really serious opiate addiction. And I know in, in your part of the country and really all over the U.S. now, that is, a, that is a huge problem. People are dying every single day, you know. And 
I was, to keep it short, I was introduced to, to AA. I got a sponsor, which is someone that kind of walks you through this process. I got involved, which means you actually, you know, people can just go to meetings, but then people can come in and they can work the steps and they can get involved and they can do things like get involved with events and, and, and connect. And, you know, what we're talking about here is, is having a community or what's referred to in AA as, as a fellowship basically. And, and this connection that I found, I wasn't able to find anywhere else. You know, I, I, I feel like I tried different things and, you know, I tried like outpatient detoxes and, and took the medicine to try to make everything better. And for me, that was really just a bandaid. It didn't fix the problem, you know? And so what I needed was a solution that once again, was focusing on essentially my mind, body, and spirit. And so today, you know, like you mentioned, I, I'm a trainer and I had always wanted to get in shape. And I even had a game plan that I found in my phone later on. It was like Jonathan's plan for success. And a big part of it was getting in, in good shape. And so, uh, I started getting in shape and a, a big part of what recovery is about and, and what AA is about the 12th step. The last step is all about giving back is about getting out of yourself and specifically carrying this message to other others. But I knew what was important to me and what I wanted to find was a way to kind of combine my love for fitness and, and my recovery. And so, you know, I started training people and I, it was very rewarding because I saw these changes in people. And that led me to years down the line where I am now running the recovery you coaching program for men who are in recovery and the reason I started this is because a lot of men will come into recovery. So these guys come in, they start to grow mentally, they start to grow spiritually, they start to make internal changes, but a lot of the times they don't address their physical health. And so this program I've put together, it really gives guys like myself the structure and discipline that we lack in life, period. It gives us a game plan, but it also makes sure that we're doing the most we can in terms of our recovery. We're doing what we need to in terms of, of staying healthy, you know, fueling our body properly, working out, staying active, definitely lifting. Like that is a big part of, of our program because it helps, you know, build confidence and, and you just feel better. You look better, but also making sure that there is a spiritual aspect to this and that these men are making sure that on a daily basis, they are contributing to their spiritual life and also the relationships that are important to them. So what our program is all about and, and the motto actually is, is recover the man that you were meant to be. And, and that's really what this program allows these guys to do. I love that. And there's so much inspiration from your story. I told, so I told Jonathan, like I reached out to him. I said, oh my gosh, like you inspire me so much because there is a lot I can relate to him with the, my own mental health story, my own addiction with food and what have you, like body image, you know, it can consume our mind to a degree. And I told Jonathan, like, you know, you inspire me to work with women who are struggling with anxiety, depression, what have you, because these things are very hard and they can impact our fitness journey. And like what you said, Jonathan, that weightlifting, it did actually help me because it did change my mindset and help me become stronger. Mm. And I told Jonathan, I was like, hey, I'm going to bring in my faith. And he said he doesn't mind that. So like I mentioned, alcoholism, drugs, all of it impacts everyone. But in our communities, like it impacts a lot of the teenagers, especially with the Muslim communities. I've heard I've been to like Islamic lectures, for example, where and we talked about like 
when the marriage topic came up, there are like couples out there and families who have or has either a husband who's struggling with drugs or alcohol or like the new parents will be in shock when they found out their kids are doing drugs or alcohol behind them and all that stuff we don't talk about it because it's something we don't admit and then when we talk about it we bring back like it's haram it's impermissible in islam we bring out the quranic verses the narrations from the prophet muhammad peace upon him but we don't really talk about on how to solve the problem there is a problem you know Mm. but we don't talk about it so Jonathan, as a man, do you find it sometimes challenging to deal with your emotions because of society's expectations from a man? Yeah. So, man, you know, I've I've had. So I said I, I live here in Houston. I've I've got friends that are Muslim. I know men in AA that are Muslim. And, you know, the thing is, is it? I think there is just a, and it's I, I see where you're where you're coming from with that angle. You know, and. I think number one, just most men have this kind of macho thing going on, but it's definitely what I could see with my friends that are Muslim. There, there's even more pressure to to be this man, right? There's even more pressure to don't show any weakness. And the thing is, is that you know I, I did feel that quite a bit, and and I'll just tell you that that makes the recovery process a lot harder because. You know, you you need to get honest with yourself about what is really going on. And you need to be, if, if you're going to attack this thing, no matter how you do it, let me be very clear that I believe that there are absolutely different roads to recovery. I don't think that the 12 steps are the only way that I'm speaking from my experience. This is what, this is what has worked for me personally. And I tried other ways that that just did not work. So let me say that, but you know, the thing is, is that for someone to recover period, they're going to have to be open-minded to new ideas. Okay. They're going to have to be vulnerable more than likely to, to really be able to move on from this thing. And, you know, I would say for me, you know, I I don't know that it was that difficult. You know, when you have gone through what I've gone through and like you said, you, you sat in an AA meeting and you felt like there was some emotion and there was some connection there. And the thing is, is that this takes people to different lows in their lives. Okay. But once you have been, I mean, just straightforward, to put it lightly, beaten down to a certain point, you're a little more receptive and you can kind of push some of those things aside that say, okay, you know, I'm a man, I'm, I'm proud, like I can't show any emotion. Now, do I think that it's an issue overall? I, I do. I think that, you know, when words like depression are used, words like, you know, addiction, like we're talking about are used. People and and men especially are very hesitant to use these words and you know and that's that's part of the problem you know and the thing is is it you know kind of like you were saying you know within the muslim community addiction is super underreported you, you know and, and this is these aren't just opinions this is you know this is based on fact like it's super underreported and it's an ish, it's an interesting thing because you know, like where, where I come from or with a lot of people there, part of the issue is lack of community, lack of community, lack of connection. And what I see, you know, just as an outsider kind of looking in is that 
part of the issue in the Muslim community is that the connection, the community is so strong. And so what happens is, is that there are not many options for someone to find recovery. And so what gets reported a lot of the time is like women, for instance, who have who are struggling with addiction issues, they have to find options that are outside of their community where physically they're going somewhere where they where they will not be seen by anyone in their community. You know, and, and really, I think overall, no matter what your background is, Muslim or otherwise, we need to have these options available to men and women in, in our own communities, you know, in our own communities, because if we don't, it, this is just going to continue and, and we can't ignore this problem. It is only getting worse. You know, it's getting worse and worse day by day. So I know that's a long, a long way to answer the question, you know, do I find it challenging to to deal with my emotions. But, you know, I think the thing is, is that when someone is ready to, when someone is ready to make this change, I think it's just something that you, part of what you have to embrace, you just have to do things differently. And there's a saying, nothing changes if nothing changes. And if I'm going to sit here and act this macho tough guy, that's got it all figured out on the outside, but on the inside, I'm falling apart, then, you know, it's a lose, lose situation, you know? So I have come to be absolutely okay with expressing my emotions and saying, and realizing that I need to be able to say, Hey, I'm, I'm not doing okay. I need help. Yeah, it's so true. And like, I'm so happy to bring this up because I, I have been talking about it on my Insta stories and mentioning how, you know, cause I've seen it with my family, for example, I've seen it around people and like other people agree with me that men do struggle in communicating their emotions expressing their emotions as in like it's not okay for the man to cry like yes it is and all of that because of the society expectation of him you know he gotta have the job especially like within the muslim communities for example like you know we can't we're not allowed to be dating for Mm -hmm. example like and that adds an extra pressure on on the man you know if he doesn't have that job or that income or proposing to the woman blah 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 it goes on and on and on like there's so much pressure on the man i mean of course on the woman as well but i feel like that and i i'm saying Mm. from experience of seeing it in my own like life whether it's a family or not it exists and i and even with high school students and and like you know god forbid hopefully not middle school but it exists in like teenager life too and that's when i struggle with my own eating problems in teenager life and they are the most vulnerable and they are the one who really need that support but i feel like it's not there yet like we're we're getting there but Mm. It's not. And like what no. I'm because you and I are like in a similar age, millennials. And over 10 years ago, when I was in high school, my um, neighbor's husband, like, you know, he was like looking into the Google database or whatnot. And like he said, the most uh, searched or on, on online and what have you, the drugs and stuff, the the majority of the population were actually like young Muslim high schoolers. And, you know, so that was over 10 years ago. And I'm pretty sure it's still it exists. Yeah. So what's your experience? I mean, since you're from Houston, I know we talked Mm -hmm. about it, how it's (laughs) highly populated with Muslims. Mm -hmm. You you agree with that, right? You still see it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, look, you know, like, let's just be honest. Kids are doing this stuff. And and every generation coming up behind me, it it almost, when I was in high school, like, you know, man, we were, you know, we were smoking weed and stuff. Like we were partying. I mean, that's just, you know, that's what it was. That's who I was at the time. And it was stupid. Like I, I know that, you know, but I I mean, just in every, there's pressure in society in general, 
Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is pressure to fit in to some degree, no, no matter how you look at it. It's pressure to fit in somewhere, you know, with the cool kids or, yep. or to, you know, what, what, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be, like you said, I'm supposed to be getting this job. I'm supposed to be doing that. I'm supposed to be doing this. And so it, it's a, it's a way to, to escape, right. Or kind of, to kind of numb that. And the thing is like, you were hesitant to say, you know, middle school kids, but the, the fact is like, and it scares, it scares me. I mean, middle school kids are getting high. Like that is just the fact, you know, and it scares me because like when I was a senior in high school, like I would have, I was, I was not getting high in middle school. Like that was the furthest thing from my mind. You know, we had like dare come in, you know, and they were like, don't do drugs, you know? And, and I was, you know, I was like, oh, I'll never do drugs. You know, that's what I, that's where my mind was in, in middle school. And, you know, and I really thought I would never do drugs. I I was just, man, I was not, my mind wasn't there. You know, I wasn't like super unhappy or, or any of this stereotypical stuff that we think about, but when I was a senior in high school, you know, like the the kids coming up in the grades behind us, they had already been, and like you said, this is over 10 years ago, they had already been getting high in middle school and stuff, you know? So the thing is, is that we don't, even me, like I would like to think like that's not happening, but the truth is it is, you know, it, it, it is happening. I mean, kids are doing this. Your kids, whoever, the parents listening to this right now, it's very likely that your kids have gotten high. Maybe they don't have a serious problem, but like drugs are around. Like you just need to be aware of that. And you know, the thing is, if we just let, if we continue to let our kids just go by the wayside and and not have any option out of this, this life that pulls some people into, you know, then, then what are we, what are we saying? What kind of community are we, are we building here? You know, if there's not an option, if there's not an answer for these people that, especially when someone wants to get help, you know, that's, that's the thing that I think is, is sad is that there are communities where someone wants to get help and it's, it's so looked down upon that, that sometimes there is not an answer, you know, sometimes, sometimes the only answer is to literally escape. You know, and it's like, man, you know, what, what I needed is I needed the support of my family. I needed support of, of friends. You know, there's a really cool Ted talk that's gone viral recently. And it's talking about how the opposite of addiction is connection is connection. And and there was this really interesting experiment that they did. And basically like what the whole thinking and thought process behind of addiction, like where that came from, was there was an experiment where they had one rat by himself in a cage and they had drugs in a water bottle. And what they figured out is, is the rat would just keep using those drugs, keep drinking the drugs until it overdosed and died. Okay. Now, another researcher came along years later. I love this story, came along years later. And what he said was, is he said, you know, I think there's something missing from this. And what he did was, is he recreated the experiment. He said, okay, the rat alone with the drugs. Okay, well, the same thing happened. It overdosed, it died. But then what he did was, is he had this other cage and he had a water bottle with the drugs in it. And then he also had a regular water bottle. And what they did was, is they created this thing called Rat Park. And it was this huge cage with a bunch of other rats in it. Things that they could do, I guess. I don't know what the rats are doing in there, but they're having a good time apparently. And and what would happen was, is when they were in a community, 
these rats would not drink. They would stop drinking the water with the drugs in it. They were connected. They had this connection. It, it is vital that, that for people to recover, they have this connection. And if I'm in a community where people are, and this happens in every community, he's an addict, he's a junkie, he's an alcoholic, he's a this, he's a that. And if I don't find a way to embrace these people, then they are never going to recover. And, and what we need to realize is, is, and the reason I'm saying that, you know, telling anyone listening that it's very likely that whether they know it or not, there is someone that is connected to them that is dealing with this to some degree. It is because we, we all know someone. We all know someone, you know, and, and it doesn't, we don't care about it very much until it hits home. And when it's somebody that you know, your thinking starts to change a lot. You know, so this thinking needs to start changing now because we're going to know someone that that's that's what is just I'm going to go by. We were talking about emotions a second ago. I'm going to go by what the data and the facts say. The facts say that most of us are going to know someone that is dealing with the disease of addiction. So, you know, we need to figure out a way to to address it, you know, because it's likely that it's going to be someone that we love and care about, you know. There's so much that I want to like say about this. So, first of all. I just want to like, you know, emphasize that I know he said you're like all kids are doing it. It's just might not be all kids, but the majority sure. is, is true. And then also I did mention this in my own pot solo podcast episode. I believe the first one where I talked about my own why mental health, spiritual and physical matters to me. And I mentioned that I did go to a public school and that even if your kids go to an Islamic school, Christian, Jewish, whatever, these things do exist because I've heard stories myself from people who taught at Islamic school, for example, who have heard crazy stories that you would never imagine. And I was in shock myself. And I'm like, subhanAllah, I went to a public uh, school. I It was uh, in a quote-unquote like rich, white <laughs> community. And every single year, there's someone who, like there's someone that just, you know, died, was a suicide or like a boyfriend killed his girlfriend. And like, I, I this is my high school experience. And like, you know, also, I was like, oh, I will never like become, you know, suicidal or like go to a therapist and what have you. But then subhanAllah, like I actually became suicidal. I actually, you know, had to see a therapist and or a psychiatrist, what have you. But it's like never say never to yourself because you never know what like it's important to be self-aware. It's important to do like Jonathan say the treatment to addiction is connection. I'm like tweetable, quote unquote. <laughs> preach it but it's so true so be an open-minded like just be aware and don't close doors to people mm. that's all i can say <laughs> yeah. yeah so my next my next question to you is from your experience why most men won't stay sober sober why why won't most men stay sober um well i, I think part of it we just touched on you know part of it we just touched on is is the fact that a lot of men will, there's a lot of men that just, that, that either won't seek help. You know, I mean, unfortunately that's just kind of how this disease works. You know, either these guys won't seek help or they'll seek help, but they, they don't, there's something in them that holds them back from truly doing the work. And actually I was just talking last night. So I have a group on, on Facebook called the recovery you men's recovery community. And it's, it's a group of about 500 men and that are all in different stages of recovery. And, 
you know, I talk to men that are applying to our program every week and the guys that are in our program are all involved in 12 step programs. Okay. And so there are a lot of men who will say, oh, I tried AA or I tried this or I tried that. And, you know, look, you're, you're into fitness too. You get it. It's kind of like someone saying, oh yeah, I tried going to the gym. I tried dieting. And the thing is, is that what you're really saying is you didn't really try. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't really do the work. And I had my own experience with that. You know, when I was first introduced to recovery and first introduced to AA and stuff, you know, I had a lot of very close-minded thoughts about it. I had a lot of really judgmental things to say about it. And, you know, I don't, I think there are a lot of reasons why most men won't stay sober. I think that in large part it is because when you're in the grips of this disease, it has such a hold over, like I said, your mind, body, and spirit that you tell yourself things like maybe it's not that bad or I'll stop later or whatever it is. It's, it's very easy to make excuses. And for me, it was from my own experience, it was, you know, things will get better at some point or yeah, all that crazy stuff that happened wasn't really that bad when like, you know, it was bad. And we, we lie, we lie to ourselves is really what it comes down to. We, we don't want to think that it's as bad a, as it is. And so, you know, the, the thing is, is that a lot of what we're talking about, you know, is, is like some, some judgment when we see other people that are addicted and stuff. And there were, I had friends and just acquaintances that were further along in their addiction at one point in time. And I would sit there and I would judge them and I would say, yeah, that guy's an idiot. You know, look at him going to rehab, blah, blah, blah. Well, years later I was there, you know, I was there. And so I, I think the thing is, is that we just, it is tough for us to see what's really going on, you know? And once we see that, then we have to take the action and we have to do, once again, I'm going to use a gym analogy, like to get in shape, you initially have to do things that you don't want to do. And in recovery, you have to do a lot of stuff that you don't want to do that is uncomfortable. We are talking about getting real with your emotions, you know, whether you're a male or female, we are talking about opening up. We're talking about doing a lot of new stuff, learning a lot of new things that are completely foreign and, and uncomfortable, you know? And so I think it comes down to, because most of the time people do have a, an avenue for recovery, you know, and like in AA, you'll see men that have come in and out of the program for years and years and years. You know, some of these guys, sometimes maybe they're 60, 70 years old. They've been, they got, you'll hear this story. I'm not kidding you. You'll hear this story all the time. 70 year old guy in AA, they got introduced to AA when he was 19 and he's only got a few months sober. That is one of the most common stories that, that you'll hear period. You know, so why won't that, why won't that guy stay sober? You know, I don't know. I think it probably has a lot to do with doing the work. And I, I know for me personally, from what I've seen, it has a lot to do with the willingness to really create a relationship with, with a higher power, wh whatever that is to you, you know, and it's, 
I'll be very honest. I mean, uh, very little of, of me being sober has to do with me. It's a lot of it is God. Like that's just what it is, you know? And, and I was very reluctant about any of that. You know, I saw it because it says God, like in the 12 steps. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it come, it came to be the biggest strength in my life, period. You know, so I think, I think there's a spiritual aspect that gets left out as well. You're right. And like, let me, this is a good segue to actually mention from the Quran about sure. alcohol, I guess. So it's from Surah Al-Baqarah and verse 219. And the English translation says, they ask you about intoxicants and games of chance. Say in both of them, there is a great sin and means of profit for men. And of course, women and their sin is greater than their profit. And they ask mm. you as to what they should spend, say, what you can spare. Thus, does Allah make clear to you the communications, but you may ponder. And from the narrations of the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, said, every intoxicant is khamr, and every khamr is haram and lawful. That's reported by Muslim. And there's obviously a lot more, but like I mentioned to Jonathan, that I will plug in from my faith and as you were speaking i did forget i did remember one story where one of my high school classmates like a year older than me actually a few years passed away from drug addiction and it was really shocking and i was you know like it's a, but yeah like like i this is what i grew up as well but like he said you never know and it's really important to like not judge people because you just never know mm. and that's that <laughs> so yeah, from your experience yeah. jonathan why do you think men tend to hide their emotions more than women? Mm-hmm. Cuz you I, know I how mean, we women are more expressive, we're more yeah, emotional, yeah. sensitive. <laughs> you know, I, I think that is I've come to see that and once again, you know, I, with Muslim friends, like I've come to see that that's just that is a big part of the culture. I, I would say I think that's changing. You know, I I think that's changing for me personally like I'm very expressive with with my emotions. Like I I think that it it shows social intelligence. And I, and I think that a lot of men are, are are more socially intelligent, are, are willing to share their emotions, but it's just that once again, we're trying to stick to and live up to something else. It's just the way that it's been for so long. And not to say that I don't have friends that don't completely hide their emotions. And, you know, even when they're having a tough time and and struggling, you know, they don't, you know, like recently a mutual friend died and one of his close friends, one of my best friends that I grew up with, he has no emotion about it whatsoever. No emotion about it whatsoever. Now, part of that is, and to what you were just saying, I mean, this is just really sad, but this gives you an idea, okay? So, above middle-class community here in Houston, okay, I know in one cemetery where my first friend who passed away from anything having to do with, with addiction died and was buried, eight or nine people in one cemetery all having to do with something related to drugs and alcohol. Okay. So I, I think, you know, that, you know, for him, it is, you know, there's probably just, he's numb to it to some degree, but, you know, I, I would like to think that that's changing. I hope it's changing. You know, I hope it's changing. I don't think it helps anything to, to hold back our, our emotions. I don't think that it helps 
anything, you know, solve really any, any problems unless the emotion is, is anger. I mean, you know, I, I, I just can't see a situation where that is a, a good thing. And I, I think that more men in, in all communities trying to see that a little bit and see that, you know what, it's, it's not a weakness when I show emotion, it's, it's a strength because I see who I really am. I can tap into, to who I really am. And, and once again, you know, I think some of this com- kind of comes down to, you know, your own personal connection with God, because it's just like, am I going to, am I going to be the real me, you know, or am I going to wear kind of this mask that, that I'm supposed to be wearing essentially, you know, I, and I, I don't know that that's just, I don't know why they do. I think I think a lot of it's just written into our DNA, but I, I really hope that it's changing. You know, I hope it is changing. But it's so true, and that's why I'm a huge fan of emotional, um, taking care of your emotions, and I'm all, even I'm working on it because I'm super emotional. And so I was told to learn how to read my emotions and work on it, so I am. And I think I did the test to find out who I am. I, I think I was entertainer. So it was yeah. interesting to find out about myself. So, so far, I'm an entertainer. I know you kind of touched base, but if you want to dive in more, why being sober is not enough? Because I know you talk about it on your social media, and that's uh, what I made do. me ask that Man. question. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad you picked that up. I mean, that that is what I, I am really passionate about. You know, the thing is, is that, and I just want you to kind of step outside and, and think about it like this, you know, because I, I know that, well, you've had your own struggles, like you described. But I just want you to be, you know, imagine if you would being a guy that, that I, I just shared my story with you. I want you to imagine being a guy that has struggled for years and years of his life with this problem. And then I get to a point where I'm sober, not doing drugs or alcohol. It, that is not an everyday struggle. But then I get to this life where it's like, okay, that's that's it. The only thing that I've done is is put down the drugs and alcohol. And I do not believe that that we went through all of these problems, all of these struggles, all of these hardships that we did just to get here and and live a a life where we feel like we're not living up to our full potential, where we're not happy, we're not healthy, you know, we're not taking care of our body where we, we just, once again, where we really aren't happy with who we are. I'm going to say that I know personally that the God of my understanding did not bring me through all of that to be here and, and not be happy because here's the thing. Here's why this is so important is because if I've gone through that struggle and I come here and I'm sober and I'm just not doing the drugs and alcohol, and that's basically all I'm doing. I'm just kind of existing. I'm not living a happy fulfilled life with, with any kind of purpose. Well, number one, I'm not going to be very motivated to stick around. You know, I can be miserable doing drugs and alcohol. What is the motivation for me to stick around in, in sobriety? The other thing is, is like I said, I just truly don't believe that this is a life that men deserve when they've gone through this struggle. I think that what they deserve is, is to have a happy, healthy life, where they're living with purpose, where they are successful to some degree, whatever that means to them. And, and they're, and they're living life. They're not, they're not just existing. So that is why I think sobriety is not enough because look, I mean, I kind of joke about it, but the deal is this, 
most people are do not have a drug and alcohol problem. So if I'm down here, I'm struggling. You know, old Jonathan, he, he was struggling with a drug and alcohol problem for sure. And I'm down here and then I just stopped doing drugs and alcohol. I'm here. I am back to zero. Okay. I'm, I'm just doing, I'm literally just doing what everyone else is doing on a daily basis. But that is why it's not enough is because I'm lit. You're just, you're back to normal. I mean, you know, and, and this is something that, you know, th this is what I believe. And this is what's talked about, you know, in 12 step programs is that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. Essentially what you've done is, is you've gotten some tools to uh, arrest this disease, essentially, you know, to, to figure out a way to live life with this disease without it being an everyday struggle, essentially. So that, that's why I think, and I personally feel it, it is just not enough. Like getting sober is, is not enough. That is, that is the bare minimum of what should be going on. Awesome. And that's why I'm happy to have you on, on a purposeful fitness podcast show, because it's important to find your, your purpose. And that's also my goal in life to help women and men to find their purpose because it will keep you motivated to keep going with your goals and stuff. Then tell me, how does your program help men become sober and live a healthier lifestyle? Mm, yeah. So uh, to be clear, so all the men that come into our program, it, it's, it's really men are enrolled on a case by case basis, but most of the men that come into our program have already been sober for a period of time. And this is kind of what we were just touching on. What happens a lot of the times is men come into sobriety and even if they're doing everything they need to be doing, a lot of guys like us, including myself, just really don't have the structure or discipline that they need to not just continue staying sober, but really become the man that they're supposed to be, to become the man they're supposed to be. So what we do is, is we give these guys structure by making sure that they have a game plan every single day, a, a clear Define game plan in terms of what they need to be doing to make sure that that every single day they're addressing their mind, body, spirit, and recovery. Okay, so they're they're addressing everything on a daily basis. And what we do is is we actually give them a scorecard. You know, you were touching on emotion, and it is important that to some degree we remove remove the emotion from the equation, and we take score. And we don't say, you know, we think of it in terms of like a training program. Okay. So what we would hope a client would do is maybe if they miss a workout, they would just move forward and get that workout in. Right. But what happens a lot of the times the client feels guilt, the client feels shame. They beat themselves up. It goes into a spiral where they stop doing any of their workouts. What the men in our program start to work on is upgrading their mindset so that they're able to look at the facts and say, okay, here's where I can, I, here's how I did today. Here's to where I can improve tomorrow and, and moving forward, failing forward. We're all going to fail. So if I have clarity that I'm going to fail at some point during this journey, I'm going to screw up a little bit. But if my main purpose is essentially just to keep moving forward and taking action, then I'm more likely to get better results at the end of the day. So our program doesn't get guys sober for the most part. Our program helps guys stay sober and create this life that they should be living to, to really live up to their full potential. That's awesome. And you guys will, you find, we will mention where you get, you can find it, but Jonathan, is there any question that I should have asked and didn't? 
Hmm. I know we talked a lot about different topics and it was an emotional conversation as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you asked, uh, I think you asked a lot of good questions. I think that just overall, this is something it's just unfortunate once again, that it's, that it's taboo in, in any community. You know, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that you could go into a lot of religious text and there would be something about drinking or putting substances in your body. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that I fully understand that, you know, but, but the bottom line is, is that there are people in our communities that are suffering and, and we have to face that. And if I'm really, you know, in, in my mind and I'm not Muslim, so I'm not speaking for the Muslim community, but, you know, here's the deal in my mind, if I'm, if I am saying, I really care about what God wants, I'm living by God's will then I would like to think that God's will is for me to take care of those who are suffering. And if there are people in my community that are suffering and, and I'm ignoring them, I don't, that doesn't feel very aligned with that just doesn't seem like something that any higher power would be saying, you know? So that, that's just kind of, you know, my opinion on it. And, you know, I, I just think it's like we talked about, you know, it's just something that in the Muslim communities reported, it is happening. People are trying to find help and th there need to be people in the community, like in, in other communities that are taking a stand and saying, we're, we're going to do the right thing and, and we're going to help these people out. You know, there, there needs to be an avenue for recovery in every community. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come out of my comfort zone too, because I was really nervous about this episode, but I'm like, yeah. we got to make it happen. Yeah. And also congratulations for hitting that six year mark. And oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. And where can someone stay in contact with you? Yeah. So they can go to facebook.com slash recover you coaching. That's our Facebook page. If they want to apply for the program. They can go to recover you, the letter u.net. And uh, if they get with me on Facebook and they happen to be a man in recovery, then they can actually join right there on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash recover the letter U coaching. They can actually join our men's recovery community as well. And it's just a great resource where they can connect with other men are, that are in recovery, get some suggestions and, and get some help and, and really get, get led in the right direction. Awesome. It'll be in the show notes. And if anyone is listening and you know someone or maybe you are struggling in privately, make sure to hit up Jonathan and do not be afraid to seek help because I'm a huge, huge fan of like seeking help. And I talk about it all the time, like get out there, literally seek support because it makes a world of difference. Yeah. And thank you again, Jonathan. Have a wonderful day. Absolutely. You too. Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong, be fit, be fit for akhirah.